So the lead-up to the release of Olivia Wilde's new film, Don't Worry Darling, has been so catastrophically bad that there's literally nothing that could possibly divert attention of us or the world away from this incredible cinematic train wreck. A few moments ago, Buckingham Palace announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. We're interrupting our programs to inform you Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II has died. The Queen has died and uh, long live the King. It is now official. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II, the longest serving monarch of the United Kingdom, has died. Woo! Let's go! Get Queen! Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, uh. well, um, R.I.P. Liz, you weren't my queen, but you were someone's. Sure. Uh, and yeah, of course, the internet was quick to react, with Twitter nearly breaking for about an hour after the news was delivered, with reposts videos of Irish lads dancing in front of Buckingham Palace to another one bites the dust, memes upon memes upon memes, demands for Her Majesty to be replaced by minions or Paddington Bear, uh, Spirit Halloween setting up shop, <laughs> the musicals Hamilton and Les Miserables putting out condolences without a shred of irony, and of course, the usual smattering of completely random brands paying their respects to the monarchy. Yeah, what a day to be online. And I'm not sure anyone summed it up better than a friend of the show, Jordan Yule, who said the following. Today is a reminder of how hilariously disorienting Twitter can be. An endless stream of overwrought tributes to a monarch, jokes about her death, and then random brand tweets like, on behalf of the entire Weber Grill family, we solemnly lay down our tongs in Her Majesty's memory. Very true. Uh, but R.I.P. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth, you, you would have loved uh, dry rub brisket. <laughs> but for now, let's focus on the important news. What the hell is going on with this film? Don't worry, darling. It's director Olivia Wilde and apparently the entirety of its cast. I'm worrying. Uh, wait, hold on. Because also while we were writing this episode, Steve Bannon was indicted on charges of money laundering, fraud, and conspiracy, resulting in a very satisfying perp walk by Bannon, who was led by police while wearing handcuffs and exclaiming, they'll never shut me up. They'll have to kill me first. My brother in Christ, you preyed on the mentally ill and stole millions of dollars from them. Yeah, but he was really good at it. <laughs> That's the problem. So, he was too good. Yeah. Okay, if there are no more interruptions... Okay. Anyone planning on dying now? No, I don't think so. Uh, we can finally get to this Olivia Wilde Don't Worry Darling saga. Nothing. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, looks like the coast is clear. Mm -hmm. So, cool, yes. So I guess we should start at the beginning, or at least the beginning of the public drama surrounding the film, which is when Olivia Wilde was served custody papers on stage in Las Vegas while promoting the film. Was this at CinemaCon? Something like that. It was like uh, April or something this year. Yeah, served custody papers while mic'd up and on Yeah, stage. and this was like the first marketing for the film at all. Uh -huh. Like the first moment where Don't Worry Darling was uh, thrust upon the public. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, at the time, people thought it was uh, maybe like a... A little bit over the top to legally serve someone in this way, but her former partner, Jason Sudeikis, indicated that he had no say in how the paperwork was delivered. Uh, I guess he just hired a really go get em, uh process server. Well, that's what we, we said at the time. It's like... The Jackie Chan of process servers. Uh, how are you going to serve uh, a celebrity unless you know you know where they are? Like a public appearance. Yeah. Her being there. Yeah. Like, all right, how, how am I going to get Olivia Wilde? Oh, there she is. Boom. Yeah. Problem solved. Now I can uh, serve all my other processes mm -hmm. that I need to serve. So Wilde and Sudeikis reportedly split either during or just before the production of Don't Worry Darling had started, and the general consensus seems to be that they had separated as a result of an affair 
between Wilde and Harry Styles. Just the cutest boy. <laughs> who also uh, replaced Shia LaBeouf as the male lead in the film. Which has its own... Uh, uh, yeah. As, we're, as we'll hear about. There was, uh, that was another point of drama for this film. Uh, across the entire summer, Wilde asserted that LaBeouf was fired from the production in order to protect the other actors. Quote, I say this as someone who is such an admirer of his work, she said. His process was not conducive to the ethos that I demand in my productions. He has a process that, in some ways, seems to require a combative energy, and I don't personally believe that is conducive to the best performances. I believe that creating a safe, trusting environment is the best way to get people to do their best work. Ultimately, my responsibility is to the production and to the cast to protect them. That was my job. Now, LaBeouf, uh, despite his numerous shortcomings over uh, over the years, which, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. He, uh, he, <laughs> called, he called bullshit on this statement and brought an abundance of receipts showing that he'd not only left the film of his own accord, but that Wilde had apparently begged him to stay on in the role. Uh, here's the independent. Just days after this interview was given, LaBeouf denied Wilde's claim, saying that he had left the production of his own accord as he was unable to find time to rehearse with the other cast members. He sent screenshots of his email and text exchanges with Wilde to Variety, as well as a video of Wilde apparently trying to convince LaBeouf to stay attached to the project. In the footage, which leaked online, Wilde is seen saying that she is heartbroken over LaBeouf's exit. You know, I think this might be a bit of a wake-up call for Miss Flo she says, seemingly referring to Florence Pugh. I want to know if you're open to giving this a shot with me, with us. If she really commits, if she really puts her mind and heart into it at this point, and if you guys can make peace, and I respect your point of view, I respect hers, but if you guys can do it, what do you think? Is there hope? Will you let me know? So this back and forth between Wilde, LaBeouf, and the press, it continued throughout the summer with responses regarding Shia and the production being printed as recently as this week, with Wilde telling Vanity Fair that she fired LaBeouf because he made Florence Pugh uncomfortable, with Shia responding once again, and at this point basically throwing his hands in the air and saying, whatever, it is what it is. Every blessing to her and her film. So it seems like he, he has another film that's premiering at the same time. So he's just oh, like, yeah. I want this and everything else behind me, please. Yeah. I'm working with Mel Gibson to repair my image. So if you guys can yeah. just give me time. I'm making a movie with Mel Gibson to hopefully distract the public away from the domestic violence uh, lawsuit I'm also involved in. Yes. So uh, even Stevens, baby. Uh, regarding Florence Pugh, though, uh, it's also been a, a longstanding rumor that Pugh and Wilde did not get along after this production, with Wilde going overboard with praise of Pugh's performance once people and the press started noticing that Pugh was barely even acknowledging the film's existence during the run-up to its release. There's, like, rumors on this front of uh, uh, Florence Pugh being friends with Jason Sudeikis and being obviously upset that Olivia Wilde reportedly cheated on him with fucking Harry Styles. How can you cheat on Ted Lasso? Come on. I mean, have you seen Harry Styles? He's the he's the cutest boy. He is. But uh, yeah, everything came to a head when the entire cast made their way to Italy for the premiere and promotion of Don't Worry Darling at the Venice Film Festival. So first, Pugh missed the press conference, which was explained away by saying that Pugh wasn't going to be there in time, which is odd since you would assume that accommodations would have been made properly if she had the attention of being. So Pugh eventually arrived in time for the red carpet event, but uh, that doesn't mean the first day at Venice was free from controversy. A reporter claimed he was told not to ask wild questions about LaBeouf during the press conference. Wilde also gave a conveniently vague answer when asked about rumors of a feud between her and Pugh, rather than quashing them outright. Next, 
came these seemingly checked out reactions from <laughs> Chris Pine that were reminiscent of the sad Affleck clip from the uh, Donna Justice press uh, junket, but uh, in my opinion, way better. Because he's another one, uh, Chris Pine, just a very handsome man. Uh, and a terrific actor. He's, and rocking a pretty interesting look right now that I haven't seen him in before. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what you would describe it as, but... Uh, oh, he's surfer bro, kind of like the long hair slicked back. German porn star, I don't <laughs> Maybe. know. Maybe, but that's the thing. So It's this, a good look, though. This was funny because, as pointed out, uh, Chris Pine, fantastic actor with a, a long filmography of really, really good roles. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people just look at him as the Star Trek guy. No, he's, he's a very good actor. Uh, from the article, clips of Pine appearing to zone out during the press conference for the film and at the premiere later that evening have gone viral on social media. One clip that has caught the particular attention of fans sees the actor sat alongside his co-star Harry Styles. The camera zooms in on Pine's face as Styles gives a somewhat convoluted answer to a reporter's question. You know, my favorite thing about the movie is it feels like a movie, Styles says, wow. as his co-star appears to stare off in the distance. It feels like a real go-to-the-theater film, movie, that you know, the reason why you go to watch something on the big screen. Have you ever had a dream where... <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, one fan commended Pine for enduring the whole fiasco, while another said, you can almost see the screams catching in his throat. Proof that Chris Pine is a good actor. He didn't make a what the fuck is this idiot on about face or burst into hysterical laughter listening to his co-star answer, if you can call it that, this question, someone else said. The, and, best, the best thing is Chris Pine doesn't know about any of this because he's, he has a cell phone from 2003. He's literally offline. Yeah. He's above it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a fantastic picture and of him. And much better for, uh, off for it. There's a fantastic picture of him. I think it's real, too. But it's him, like, in the driver's seat of his car, like, taking a picture with his camera phone, like his fucking Nokia flip phone. Yeah. It's like, buddy, you are a Hollywood... But, you know, I, I get it. I get Look, it. Look. He's living it, his best life. It sets boundaries. No distractions. Yeah, no... Don't even fucking call me. Yeah. And, yeah. As, and I bet he's really glad about that right now. And people are like... Chris, like, what about this drama? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Literally, <laughs> what? I'm here in Venice, Italy. We're having oh, a great time. Oh, was there weird vibes between them? Because I don't know. Yeah. I'm just here to enjoy the beautiful city of Cannes. <laughs> anyway, so it's that... Venice, not Cannes. Oh, well, yeah. whatever. So this was all followed by uh, another image of Chris Pine staring off into the distance during the press conference, which obviously went viral. And then images and reports... Uh, of him wearing sunglasses at the premiere later on, like literally putting them on as soon as the movie started playing. Yeah, I'm just going to go to sleep for a while. Yeah, King shit. But then the world, and by world we mean people who post all day, the world literally lost its goddamn mind when a conspiracy formed around a little bit of footage that, um, I mean, I saw it. I, a lot of people we saw it. We can't show it because they're already bringing it down. Every, even on Twitter, they're bringing this video down. But you've already probably it seen it. It appeared to show Harry Styles walking to his seat next to Chris Pine and taking a second to spit on Chris Pine before sitting down. In front of everyone. In front of his girlfriend, Olivia Wilde. And it's like, you don't see the spit itself. You see him do a spit motion with his body. And then you see Chris Pine react as if he has just been spit on yeah, at well, the exact same moment. The the footage that hasn't been clipped shows uh, that he had like dropped his sunglasses in between his legs and was uh, literally just gra like looking and grabbing his sunglasses. Uh, it's, it's literally that simple. Well. Sorry, everyone. It looked like he spit on him. Anyway, it yeah. Was very, it was very funny discourse for 
The claims hours. were refuted by everyone involved. I'm sure Chris Pine loved uh, going to his publicist and they need you to making, make a statement about the spitting. Uh, <laughs> what? You write it. Uh, so yeah. And Styles, uh, he would go on to joke about the incident while on stage during one of his recent concerts, saying, "It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be back in New York. I just popped very quickly over to Venice to spit on Chris Pine, but fret not, we're back." And uh, regarding Chris Pine's character in this movie, as if there wasn't already enough drama surrounding this movie, uh, in the lead up to the premiere, Wilde also decided to uh, break the internet by saying that Pine's character was based on uh, King of the Incels, Jordan Peterson, her her term too. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's intriguing actually. Yeah, Maybe no, I do want to see this movie. If there was nothing else going on with this movie, that would be a thing where I'm like, huh, Chris okay. Pine playing a Jordan Peterson. Okay, I'd watch that. Up Just yours, Harry Styles. <laughs> We'll see who cancels who. Yeah. Uh, so from Variety, Wilde told fellow actor turned director Maggie Gyllenhaal during a conversation for Interview Magazine that Chris Pine's character was inspired by Jordan Peterson, the Canadian author and media personality described by Wilde as, quote, this pseudo-intellectual hero to the incel community. Savage. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she, she went up a couple points there. Uh, the reasons she gave for the inspiration seemed totally justified in the context of her film. It's just funny on top of everything else. Else, that she decided to dump more gasoline on an already raging fire. This bitch loves drama. <laughs> yeah, the, the best part is like further in the interview, she's like, yeah, I even logged on the 4chan to see what it was all about. So wow. she went really in depth with uh, the character profile here. Um, okay. But there are, look, so many more just minuscule interactions that people have picked up on uh, at this film festival. Uh, and it is exhausting and very dumb to go through all of them because most are completely pointless. And a lot are just innocuous moments that are only even brought up because people are so hyper-focused on the drama surrounding this film. They're they're treating this as if it like every piece of footage from this premiere is like the Zipruder film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this, again, is a film that, by the way, is now receiving fairly lackluster reviews. It only got an hour-long standing ovation, uh, so you can tell it didn't do well. Uh, it seems as though the drama is not really worth it in the end. Well, maybe we'll get a uh, behind-the-scenes documentary about it someday. That's the problem. Without any physical media, there's not going to be bonus features. Well, anyway, I, I really liked uh, Olivia Wilde's first movie, uh, Booksmart. Really liked that one. You should check it out. It's I basically seen that one. It's basically super bad, but uh, they're girls, and the whole premise is that they realize that uh, being uh, being so anti all through high school and like skipping parties to study uh, was pointless because all of their classmates who like partied all through high school are going to the same like good colleges that they went to. So they have like one night left of high oh, school yeah, to like yeah, yeah. catch up on it, mm -hmm. and it's very funny. A lot yeah. of uh, that kid that I can never remember his name, but he's uh, the son and. Righteous Gemstones. Um, he's in it. He's very funny. It's a good uh, movie. Yeah. So also, she, can, she can make movies. She also looks great. She, Olivia Wilde looks fantastic. And she's she is a beautiful. Like, she's also like twice Harry Styles' age. That's like, not she, true. She's like 40 something. She's 38. What? That's Stop it. being mean. Uh, second of all, uh, yeah, problematic age gap. If, this, if, if the roles were reversed in a male director. He's uh, what, like 25? Something like I that. I think it's fine. So, I, I, th I have no problem with it. You're the one that fucking brought it up. No, I just, I think it's cool. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Good for both of them, actually. Yeah. Like, this, he's in his Macron phase. Like, if I was him, I'd be stoked. If I was her, I'd be stoked. Good for all. Win-win for everyone. Happy for everyone involved, except yeah. for uh, She should have broken Jason up with Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis before. But I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, it should also be noted that at the same film festival, Brendan Fraser was moved to tears by a standing ovation following the screening of his new film, The Whale, from director Darren Aronofsky. From NPR, actors and longtime fans alike took to social media to share their own happiness at the recognition Fraser received with this latest role. As the applause continued for Fraser on Sunday, the actor and some audience members appeared to get choked up. A part of this collective happiness also stems from knowledge of Fraser's recent struggles, according to Nicholas Baer, an assistant professor of film studies at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands. After Fraser was absent from any big Hollywood movie for several years, GQ published a profile in 2018 of the actor titled, Whatever Happened to Brendan Fraser? In it, Fraser discussed years of suffering from injuries sustained from performing stunts during the filming of The Mummy franchise, subsequent surgeries, personal loss, and a divorce. Most startling were details Fraser shared of being allegedly groped by Philip Burke, a former president of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Burke told GQ that Fraser's accusation was a total fabrication. Fraser, in the GQ article, openly questioned whether he was actually blacklisted from Hollywood because he came forward about his experience. But Brendan Fraser's back, and there's a great song about that by Nick Lutzko called Brendan Fraser's Back. Mm -hmm. And we're all happy that he's back. Yes. And um, I'm pretty stoked about this movie because... Uh, Look, uh, the, the, that standing ovation. Darren Aronofsky films, not exactly the most fun things to watch, but usually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not the most fun films to watch. In fact, I, th I think I still have some trauma from uh, seeing uh, uh, what that the Jared Leto movie for the first time, Requiem for a Dream. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's a, a tough one. Yeah. Anyway, those weren't the only highly anticipated movies premiering this week, though, because <laughs> guys, she's back. Yeah. Gina Carano's return to the big screen was also released. Yeah, uncancelled, bitch. Yeah, cancel this. Mm -hmm. Liberals. Uh, it's her latest film, the second since she was fired from Disney. Um, she plays a Secret Service agent who has her hair sniffed by Joe Biden. The film is called My Son Hunter, and it has been released exclusively on fringe right-wing media outlet Breitbart, who apparently made the film in order to make Hunter Biden seem cooler than previously known. It's uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, but instead of Leo doing all this fun stuff, it's the president's son. Yeah. And we're supposed to be very mad about it. Yeah. Um... This, is a, this is always a problem, though. And I will say for the record, Hunter Biden, based on just the facts, seems like a huge piece of shit. Yeah, of course. Uh, yes. Like, especially with the, you know, having various kids with various women and making uh, just a lot of very irresponsible decisions. But hooking up with his dead brother's wife. Yeah, I mean, that's just sort of trashy, whatever. Uh, they were both yeah. grieving. But like, uh, yeah, everything the Republicans like try to focus on, they're like, he did cocaine. I'm like, oh, OK. The, yeah, and the OK. Like the most... Uh, I remember one of like the, the the pinnacle of this attempt to like hurt Joe Biden through his son uh, was just like, and look at him. Despite all this, he still loves his son. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was actually like endearing. Because like, what the fuck is he supposed to do? Yeah, like, like well, <laughs> you have like someone in your family's fucking broken. You don't love yeah. them still, like despite uh, yeah. their shortcomings. I mean, I know that there's probably a lot of people out there that do that, but like. It's yeah, it's endearing to see him still, despite his faults, love his one remaining son. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, yeah. the movie does seem to be kind of like satirical. Yeah. Uh, it's not exactly like a biopic we got going here. It attempts to make a comedy of sorts uh, out of actual real life events. Um, it's just very funny to see this 
as the culmination of Gina Carano and right-wing media's newfound love affair uh, from, you know, from a recurring role in Star Wars to just a few short years later getting your hair sniffed by someone playing Joe Biden who neither looks nor sounds like <laughs> Joe Biden. Uh -huh. uh, and in addition to the film simply existing, there was also a premiere in the belly of the beast, Hollywood, California. <laughs> which is a bit ironic considering how much conservatives fucking hate Hollywood. But, you know, all of them want to be a part of it. Yes, they do. Ben Shapiro, failed screenwriter. Steven Crowder, that's why failed all, actor. That's why they all fucking hate it. Ben Shapiro's a uh, little... Failed? He was on Ar uh, Arthur. Okay. You get points for that, buddy. Yeah. Uh, ben Shapiro's... Or Michael Knowles, he's Ben Shapiro's little buddy. Another failed actor. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of these people. Hitler, failed painter. Anyway, <laughs> there's not much to report from the big premiere because apparently few in attendance actually wanted to go on record praising the film or even acknowledging that they were there. Here's Newsweek. Some of Hollywood's politically conservative insiders, a small group in famously liberal Tinseltown, gathered Wednesday for a secretive invitation-only screening of My Son Hunter, a film that promotes the accusation that President Joe Biden profited from his son's allegedly dubious dealings with foreign powers. Among those attending the gathering at a private screening room in Los Angeles were Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman star Dean Cain, and Nick Searcy, star of TV's Justified. Two guys who will never shut the fuck up on Twitter. Uh, so some others said they did not want their attendance revealed, fearing it might hurt their careers. Absent at the screening of My Son Hunter were the glitz and glamour associated with the standard movie premiere. There was no red carpet, and attendees dined on popcorn and water rather than the usual martinis and sushi. The stars of the film weren't there, nor was the director, who addressed the crowd of around 70 people via Zoom. One producer at the screening, whose credits include Game of Thrones, The Bourne Legacy, and Moneyball, asked that his name not be used. I, I feel like you, you could narrow it down pretty easily just based off of that information. Mm -hmm. uh, he told Newsweek, I really enjoyed the film. It's a shame I can't tell most of my colleagues about it, though. Hollywood is in such a hyper-cancel mode today. I'm pretty sure you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like... I liked this movie. Okay, that's weird, but sure. It's when you run into trouble is when you start ranting and raving and, and uh, foaming at the mouth and making other people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, hard to really split the difference there yeah. these days. But anyway, let's move on to another massive L this week because a post on the subreddit, Today I Fucked Up, became one of the highest upvoted admissions that the site has seen in recent memory. And while there's no way to know for sure if the post is something that actually happened in real life the way it's explained, just like anything on Reddit, it still went viral. And it even garnered a response from someone involved. Mm -hmm. God, this is fucking... God, I hate this one so much. In the post titled, My girlfriend of two years told me the music that I played during sex is weird and a major turnoff. <laughs> the guy explains that he had made a playlist of... Ugh, what he calls lovemaking music as a way to loosen up and get into the rhythm. Clearly a white man talking. Get, <laughs> get into the rhythm of things when fornicating with his partner, only to find out that it wasn't just his girlfriend who thinks he's a total fucking weirdo for playing it during sex. Here's a part of the post. I searched lovemaking songs and started slowly creating a playlist in which I was comfortable matching the rhythm. There are a few songs on my playlist. I found the However, most fucked up rhythm I could... <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I can vibe to this one. Yeah, finally, something for me. Uh, however, uh, there is one song in particular which actually happens to be my favorite that my girlfriend hates and says turns her off in a major way. I don't understand why it has taken her two years to tell me she hates that song. It's a good lovemaking song with good rhythm. 
I feel the way I fucked up is I could have possibly asked her previously if she likes the playlist or any songs she'd like to add or change. But to leave it for two years thinking our sex life is great, but in her eyes has just been ruined by my music, has left the whole situation feeling awkward, and I'm a bit annoyed. I pretty much played this tune every single time, so the amount of times she must have not been enjoying it, when I thought the complete opposite, is annoying, but also embarrassing in ways. It's fucked up the relationship, to be honest, because sex feels awkward now. The other day we were having sex with no music, but I was still thrusting to the tune playing in my head. She recognized this and asked me to stop. I thought this song was perfect, and I almost... <laughs> and I always thrust along with the tune and feel it gives me the perfect rhythm for doing the deed to. I usually bust to this song and find it devastating that she hates the song. So that last part was, uh, that was like the dead giveaway that something more was going on here, because like, if she was able to recognize the rhythm, even without the music, what do you think rhythm is? Because yeah. usually rhythm is just, you know, the ones and twos, uh, but you are talking about a specific rhythm that one is able to immediately detect yeah. uh, without the presence of music. So yeah, there's I'm usually maybe a nice, something... You know, in the background, there's a nice kick snare going that yeah. you can kind of time your watch to, you know? There's some... Boom, chop, yeah. boom, boom, chop, something like that. But uh, so I, Sounds look, like something else is going on here. How bad could it be and how recognizable could it be? So yeah, everyone reading the post was curious about the song. What is the song? Yeah. And how bad could it be? Any song that can get you into a nice rhythm couldn't be so bad that it ruins a relationship, right? It couldn't be so bad that the entire internet comes together to make fun of you for admitting it, right? But that's where you're wrong, bucko, <laughs> because the song that he was copulating to was Seabat by EDM producer Hudson Mohawk. Obviously, we can't play the song here. You probably heard it one way or another. It, it This is like what... It, it's similar to that song you used to put on in the office like 10 years ago. Oh, like the, that, like that, the monster truck song? Or that whatever? like trap song, uh, like, like Grand Theft. was like boom, 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 boom. Just like that specific type of trap music. Well, it that's came like, from that period of time yeah. where it was just like this, this from the outside looking in sounds like circus music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'll do my best to mimic it. Uh, Wah, 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 you're at, a, you're at a festival, you're rolling balls. You're like, and then like, oh, yes. it, it's like a break and this one comes on and everyone's like, oh yeah, but it's like, <laughs> take me to the circus. <laughs> but just like imagine being like this this guy's like downstairs neighbor and like a couple <laughs> times a week you're, oh fuck, he's, he's banging the, the his girlfriend again. The clowns are having sex again. Yeah. So yeah, just the idea of someone thrusting it to this totally nonsensical and goofy beat is funny enough, but people, they really let this guy have it online. <laughs> and like we said, even the producer got involved in the discourse saying the following to NBC News. It's not a song I would have put on a sex playlist, but kink shaming is none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> Said Hudson Mohawk, 36, laughing during a recent Zoom interview with NBC News. Even funnier that this is NBC News. 
Yeah. We tracked down the guy who fucked his girlfriend to see bat and we we thought we'd ask the producer what he had to say. So uh, <laughs> the the funnier part of this is that this song has never been fucked to more than this week. Oh yeah. After the post. Maybe he's got he's on something. Yeah, this is uh if it weren't for those damn rules across every social media site, there would be numerous videos just like the Harlem Shake where people attempt to fuck to this song. To comedic you got to do like Russian roulette, like stick it just in the middle of a somewhat long playlist. Mm-hmm. And maybe it comes up, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, you have to put it on random too. Yeah. So you have no idea when it's going <laughs> to pop up. But uh, they're reporting, NBC News is reporting, by the way, on this. <laughs> NBC News, we're with an update on the man <laughs> who had some sort of weird rhythmic sex to We're getting this reports that bat song. Queen Elizabeth II, the longest uh, running... Or the we longest... interrupt this Queen Elizabeth uh, news to bring <laughs> you an update. Before we get back to that, we've got, uh, we've got the special report. Hudson Mohawk <laughs> has responded to a fan <laughs> fucking to his absurd circus song. Uh, so yes, their reporting continues, uh, which also rubbed a bit more salt in the wound. Uh, one person said the song sounded like robot dolphin sounds, yeah. while another suggested the song sounded like an inflatable clown toy falling down the stairs. Yeah. Oh my God, it gets worse the longer you listen. I am crying with laughter, another editor wrote. I listened to that song and literally have tears in my eyes from cracking up, another added. Thank you for making my day and my sympathies, dude, for the absolute roasting you are getting and will continue to get in this comment section. On TikTok, the song took on a new life. Users tried to (laughs) decipher exactly how the song would work during a romantic moment. The song has been used more than 85,000 times (laughs) on the platform. It also blew up on Twitter, where one user posted a screenshot of the Reddit post. Please read this and then listen to the song. You are not prepared for the song, the user wrote in a tweet, um, which has been retweeted 39,000 times. About 17,000 people have also quote tweeted it, and more than 236,000 people have liked it. So, RIP to the queen, but also RIP to this guy whose sex life is ruined forever. Because, like, even like 10 years from now, say he marries his girl, or they break up because of it, and he's with someone else. That rhythm is unmistakable. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something you forget. Uh, uh, Where uh, have I heard this before? Uh, 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 uh. Wait a second! <laughs> I'm being fucked to Hudson Mohawk again. Jeez. Oh, it's Seabat. <sighs> Anyways, uh, that's it for today's episode. That's it for the Queen. And that's it for the Queen. Uh, king Charles III. Long live the King? Hey, it's good to have a King again. We haven't had a King in a long time. Sorry, ladies, you had your chance. Let the boys run the show again. It, it will be interesting to see what, if any kind of like allegiance, uh, whatever remaining like allegiance or whatever to the monarchy that Charles is. I don't think Charles even fucking, like I think this is it. I think That's where I'm, that's what like, I'm wondering. I mean, is the monarchy's finally done. They're not going to admit it to themselves, but like with the, the Harry and Meghan stuff and just like, I like there might be a couple more monarchs, but like it's over. Like it's, Queen Elizabeth was the last true like monarch uh, in the yeah. UK and, like, uh, and good riddance. Like the monarchy's fucking dumb. Get yeah, rid of but it. it's still to, to the Brits, I mean, not the Brits that watch this show, but you know, the Brits, uh, they, at least at some points, at least the older ones respected the monarchy. Sure. But it's like, and, like tradition. Liked, yeah. And it's the way the American, it's the way Americans are super fucking weird about like the flag. Like he wore his you hat. You can't disrespect yeah, the flag. He's wearing his hat while singing the national anthem. It's like that kind of weird shit. And, uh, if you're not like from the U S you're like, hey, what the, this is fucking stupid and weird. So that's how they are with the queen. Uh, 
not saying it's accurate to all Brits, but just with the statement that, like, look, at least the Queen, some British people liked her, I guess. As far as British monarchs go, she's probably one of the least bad. But that's (laughs) not exactly a compliment. Having said that, uh, the UK does not like Prince, now King Charles, because he cheated on fucking Diana, who they fucking love. Yeah, she was she was Britain's smoke show. Yeah, and uh, and then, well, something happened to her. Who's to say who who caused that? So now this guy, who uh, is very unlikable, is now king. So you really, and also next in line is uh, his son, who people also don't like very much, and who also is has is rumored to like getting pegged. He'll be the first pegged king. Well, not that's definitely not true. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, that's uh, it goes without saying. They've all been into weird sex. Anyway, yeah. Um, who cares? She was old. She lived. A she great was ninety six um, years old. Yeah, and uh, yeah, people are being like, "Oh my god, how can you joke about this?" It's like, buddy. First of all, most of the people joking are people who. Uh, within like one or two generations have like felt the full wrath of like the British imperial machine and it has affected their lives and lives of their, their family members on a deeply personal level. So let them in, let them have a nice laugh about the, 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 the symbol of the, the thing that has caused so much pain in their life dying at a ripe old age. If only the queen was here to see how much joy her death brought to the internet. Yeah. Uh, that's the other thing too. It's basically it's like, a second St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. That The Irish are loving it. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the thing about this is though, is it's like almost, I, I don't want to say entirely, but almost entirely within just the online space. So like, just log off if you don't want to see people dunking on this. Yeah. Go to fucking Buckingham Palace and put some flowers down. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing sitting on Twitter? You should be out there professing your love for this person who doesn't even know you exist. Right. Yeah. And probably wouldn't have even liked you if she did. Almost certainly would not have. Like, almost certainly racist. Uh, Almost certainly still homophobic when she died because she was a documented homophobe. Well, and apparently uh, Uh, is bringing her corgis with her. There's like, I I don't know. All right. I did see the time of death. 6 p.m. Get those corgis in here. I I did see the quote. I couldn't find it, so I don't want to like throw them all in the box. Source it as something that's real, but it might she be. She stopped. Like, she stopped breeding her corgis, like, and she said, "I don't want them to survive after me or something." Yeah, but I don't think I don't. They're not going to execute I don't think they're going to be. I, well, I don't know. Maybe they will. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, that's it for the episode. Kings and queens are dumb. Yes, yeah. and and liking them, especially if you're an American, is weird and lame. Mm-hmm. So that's it for the episode. Yep. Uh, if, if you haven't already, uh, our king, our king, people were ready to go on hunger strike for our king, Elon Musk. Yeah. Uh, so check out that the video. The techno king. <laughs> check out that episode of Tech News Day and also a more recent episode uh, of our show. Check them out both right over here. We'll be back with uh, weekly weird news, which I don't know how we're going to top the queen dying, but uh, some weird news has to happen. So we'll be back with weird uh, weird news. The queen's soon. back. She's rose from the dead. Yeah, she how came back it? for the corgis. Uh, and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye.